Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. On behalf of Funboards Council, a very warm welcome uh, if you're just joining us. Um, those of you who are familiar with FBC's work in fund governance will no doubt have heard us talk before about the increasing convergence that we're seeing in many of the overarching fund governance themes across Europe and indeed further afield. Um, for example, a greater focus on value and how that's measured and articulated to investors, um, on independence on fund boards, um, and in some locations on substance, and that's going to be a topic I'm sure we're going to touch on more than a few times in today's uh, discussion. Um, and indeed, that discussion, those discussions around convergence was a process that we started almost a year ago to the day with a session that uh, Ian McCowie very kindly hosted for us in Dublin uh, with a group of independent directors, where it seemed that there was a sort of general agreement that sharing some of these themes and our common experiences of some of these topics uh, across jurisdictions would be very helpful. So hence the reason we're trying to do this meeting today. Um, and obviously, since then, we've had Brexit. Uh, we've had a review of CP86 in, in Ireland and and, uh, and a whole host of other regulatory changes and updates. I mean, what that evolving regulatory environment means for asset management firms in Europe, for the way that they're thinking about their structure, um, and also the implications for their, for their fund boards. So in a moment or so, I'm going to hand over to our chair for today's discussion, Philip Warland, who is the chair of FBC's Advisory Council. Um, but first, let me briefly introduce you to our panellists. Uh, I mentioned her earlier on briefly, but we're very pleased to welcome Ema Cowie, who is an experienced independent non-executive chair and director of various in uh, investment fund and management companies in Dublin, in the UK and in Luxembourg, um, including the management and fund boards respectively of legal and general investment management and HSBC asset management, uh, both of whom I'm pleased to say are, uh, are also FBC corporate members. Uh, joining us from another FBC corporate member is Craig Blair, who joins us from Luxembourg, where he's the general manager, conducting officer and a board member of Franklin Templeton International Services, um, where he's responsible for the day to day operations of the corporate entity and the EU wide branch structure. And Daniel Rutherford, who is Global Head of Product Management and Governance at HSBC Global Asset Management. And Daniel's responsible for all aspects of the product lifecycle process within the asset management business. Um, and his remit covers both cross-border and as well as locally domiciled fund ranges in Europe and Asia. So uh, a huge amount of experience on our panel, a huge amount of things for us all to talk about. And um, just before I hand over to Philip to get us started, uh, a quick reminder that we'll be taking your questions um, and putting them to the panel towards the end of today's discussion. Uh, so you can put your questions in the Q&A box, uh, which you should see at the bottom of your screen at any point during this discussion. And then I will be back a little bit later on uh, to put those questions to the panel uh, in the time that we have remaining. With that, Philip, I shall hand over to you. Uh, very good, nice to be here. I'm gonna start, if I may, with, um, uh, with Daniel. Um, Daniel, you, can you describe how, in reaction to the various changes in rules and regulations, how you've altered the structure of your of your funds um, in Europe in particular? And then I might come back after that and ask you to compare and contrast with, for example, the Far East. But let, let's start in Europe. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, Philip. Um, thank you for um, in introducing me as well, Catherine. Um, HSBC, is, as you can imagine, is a is a is a large organisation. Uh, our tentacles are uh, truly truly global, uh, and that's a real benefit uh, for us uh, as a business because it gives us a bit of flexibility in terms of our movement of um, I suppose resources and also the ability to appoint various uh, entities around uh, the world if we need to in the form of investment management, um, you know, custody, uh, administration, etc. But substance is, is pretty important and key uh, and a growing theme, not just in, in Europe, but across many, many parts of the world. And certainly for the, the cross-border structures that we, we have and manage, we have a large uh, business in Luxembourg, large business in uh, uh, Dublin, uh, Ireland. The, um, the, the ability to have substance uh, has, has grown and our position within Luxembourg in particular, we've always had since 1988, uh, a management company in the form of HSBC Investment Funds Limited, sorry, Luxembourg, um, which has managed our main flagship type retail products, um, about um, 40 billion of assets. Um, we also have a very large business in, uh, in Dublin, uh, our liquidity business, ETF, and um, uh, fund of hedge funds as well. And it was this this point back in 2018, we were looking to launch another platform in an ICAV, whereby in advance of Brexit, um, the and some of the um, proclamations by ESMA around substance, the self-managed usage structure, which was becoming um, a focus for the for the CBI and the following the publication of um, CP86 and the requirement to have this sort of virtual management company for these types of structures. It was becoming more um, of a challenge and more of a discussion with the regulator to say, well, um, particularly with the way we were set up you know, to support those businesses, was that our designated persons uh, and some of our board members in particular were um, located in the UK. And there was a nervousness, I think, by the, by the regulator about having that exposure because we didn't know at that point whether we were going to see a hard Brexit, a soft Brexit, a red, white, and blue Brexit. We didn't really know what Theresa May was sort of saying um, and proclaiming. So we we took the decision um, back in 2000, late 2018, 2019, to say, well, actually, we've got this big business in Luxembourg already. These structures we have in in Ireland are um, usage structures. Um, let's make our substance uh, passportable to a certain extent by using the usage for regulation. And we had already done that with the launch of the new ICAF. So we said, well, for our remaining self-managed structures in Ireland, let's see if we can uh, passport this to um, this management company to Ireland as well. Uh, and it was done with, um, well, in my view, a great success because I mean, the real benefit for us is it's a, a stronger level of governance. You know, operational risk management structures are common across our Luxembourg and Irish mandates, mandates uh, sorry, businesses. You know, we satisfy the CBI substance requirements um, and we can sort of leverage off the arrangements we already have, you know, in terms of you know, distribution, um, uh, being a sort of global distributor, the management agreements we have in place with um, all the investment advisors we have across the, the world. Uh, it's an opportunity to kind of standardise and, um, and ev have everything in, into one entity. So it, we were fortunate because of the size that, that we are, we had that ability to do that, but I think it's worked out quite well. That sounds uh, very interesting. Can you just describe, you use the phrase a virtual management company. Can you just describe what that is? 
Yeah, so under the CPA to six and the self-managed um, uh, structures, there were the, the, the six managerial fun functions which the um, uh, the CBI were asking us to put in place and, and nominate individuals who are responsible for those uh, individual um, activities. Um, they they wouldn't necessarily be part of the part of that self-managed company, but they would be embedded within the investment manager uh, or investment advisor um, entity. Uh, and would have responsibility to the board for those distribution or operational risk functions. So what it was is essentially creating the kind of virtual, and they would be appointed by the board, and that letter would be, would be um, lodged with the CBI as that person would be responsible for that particular function for that, for that company or that fund. Um, and that's, that, that's why when, when I use that virtual management company yeah. structure, that's what, I, what I'm talking about. That's great, thank you. I'll come back later, I think, on the rest of the world. It, it, let's stay um, in Europe. Um, Craig, how has um, uh, Franklin Templeton, uh, you've got similar, if not um, quite as large uh, funds and fund companies as, as Daniel, have you had any problems? Have we had any problems? Um, maybe I'll just give the history. I think it's it's quite similar in some respects to what uh, Daniel's just covered. But you know, th this entity here in Luxembourg is 30 years old this year. Um, I think you know, like many UK US global managers came in at the same time around usage, and initially it was a, an investment services company, so providing back office support, fund administration, transfer agency, and registrar services. Then fast forward, um, you know, sorry, and that was for our international cross-border uh, self-managed CCAV at the time. Fast forward to 2012, and I think because of certain market pressures, um, the fact that the Swiss regulator wasn't accepting distribution into Switzerland for, for self-managed vehicles, um, we decided alongside the introduction of AF&D to create the, the Supermanco. So it's uh, a use it's Manco and AIFM. Um, passporting to to four different countries um, and with a conducting officer group of, of three individuals uh, and that was under the circular 12546 at the time which was the the management company circular and I would say that in rule forward six years you now have 18698 uh, which is the new standard and the differences between the two are quite substantial 12546 would have been much more principles based. So you have to delegate, um, it, you must have oversight of the delegate. 18698 um, is much more explicit in terms of what is required around that delegation. You need to perform due diligence, you need to have a risk based assessment, you need to do uh, minutes of meetings, sign off the, the due diligence down to that level of detail. So it was a complete sort of seismic shift in terms of the. The, the nature of the regulation and the specific, specificity of what that regulation incurred. And the, the Franklin journey, I think, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, when I took the role on in 2016, we had three conducting officers still, um, and we had um, you know, 11 fund ranges that we were uh, managing across four different jurisdictions. Uh, you know, bring it to today, we're just about to absorb the, the Lake Mason management company from Dublin underneath uh, FTIS. So by the end of this month, we will be 24 different platforms that we're managing. We will have um, 10 different branches across the EU. So you know, we, we already in 2017 went to get our MIFID top-up license, the MIFID ancillary license, 
for distribution, um, discretionary portfolio management and advice. Uh, and then that sort of formed part of actually the Brexit plan. So those entities that were attached to the UK all have been restructured underneath FTIS and Luxembourg, plus a few other entities. And we're, we're you know, in charge of global distribution for our funds here in Luxembourg as well. Um, we're overseeing our delegates. Um, and yeah, I think then 18698 really formalized how we have to perform that governance and how we have to, um, you know, work with the fund boards and and provide governance services to the funds so you know much more specificity in terms of substance um so you know i think the three conductive thinking officers we had we realized that wasn't going to be good enough in the new world so we're now nine conducting officers in front of the cssf in front of the fund boards and the, the ftis board um, we split ourselves along regulatory responsibilities but we're joint in several really from a regulatory point of view but we we have to specialize given the size and complexity of the business um the 18698 brought in time commitments it brought in formality about the meetings so the management committee we actually had it today but the, the conducting officer body has to meet at least once a month and go through all the agenda of the, of the order of the company of business um, and make sure that we're documenting that and, and signing off on that Delegation oversight, I think I've referred to it, but it's become a much, a much different um, sort of animal than it was six years ago. So uh, across, um, and I, th I think actually, you know, even before 18698 came out, we were getting those sort of feelings from the market and how the CSSF were, were changing their approach to that. So I think if you were a large global player like us, you could have that comfort that group service, group companies perform services, and that wasn't officially a delegation. But that's all changed now. So we are, you know, considering a third-party delegate equally with an intra-Franklin intra group company, and we're applying risk-based assessment standards of due diligence equally across you know, those internal and external companies. So that was quite a seismic shift in making sure you had, you know, all the SLAs and contracts, um, you know, revised as, as Daniel was sort of referring to as well across what was 35 different global investment managers. Um, around 1,400 different um, third-party distribution intermediaries, uh, and then you know the outsourced administration firms that we work with. So it's been quite a quite a shift, and I think you know those those changes have also played a part um, in in the fund board arena with the the independent directors and the other board the, the boards that we work with. So the, the requirements on them have become greater to understand what the you know the commitments on the funds are so that all adds up to additional governance um, governance processes that we've had to adopt and I think in Luxembourg AML has been a very hot issue so we've had to you know refresh and look through and build up our AML processes even more strongly across the whole value chain which I think you know Luxembourg's probably gone a little bit further than other countries on that to you know the asset side of the portfolio as well as the shareholder services side. And I think you can start to see that in Ireland by the CBI are starting to bring in those, those greater requirements around, around AML as well. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org. <laughs>